Hi, this is Erin Whitehead, creator of ManyKindRegards.com, and you're listening to Life Giver Podcast. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Hi, this is Judy Davis, the Direction Diva. Wanted to take a moment and recognize and thank all of my fellow bloggers, writers, and advocates who aren't afraid to be the voice of our community. Thank you for covering the tough topics, starting the relevant conversations, and putting an end to cyberbullying as we see has been growing in our community. Because of you, we're making our community a better place. Thank you so much. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. It's October, and today I have an amazing interview with Aaron Whitehead, the 2010 Marine Spouse of the Year and creator of Many Kind Regards, which is an online writing community that's devoted to helping writers create meaningful and effective content. Erin has done an incredible job encouraging military spouses, and she credits writing and the military spouse community for helping her through the most difficult times in her life. Today, Erin shares a vulnerable perspective of her life as a Marine spouse through 9-11, tragedy in her own family, and how she's now reaching her own goals as a business coach. As a member of the American Military Spouses Choir, Erin experienced a whole new level of community. She joined the choir on season eight's America's Got Talent, and they did an amazing job performing and experienced an amazing reaction from the audience. You're definitely going to want to watch this clip. So to find that, you can go to my website, www.coreyweathers.com. And go to the Life Giver Military Spouse podcast page, and you can also search for the tag choir to find this episode. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for all you guys do every day. And let's get right to the interview. Erin, I'm so excited to talk with you today and hear a little bit about your story and hear a little bit about what you're doing now. I thought a great way to start off was to maybe have you talk about your experience as a military spouse, specifically as a Marine spouse. And tell me a little bit about what it was like for you guys to start off in the Marines and maybe a little bit about what your husband does. Sure. Thanks for having me today, Corey. I really appreciate the time that you are spending with me this morning. Um, You know, it's funny when I, the late nineties, I was in college and I was studying to be a theater major and had these wild dreams of running off to New York and living on someone's couch while I made it big in New York City. And then as the story goes, a young Marine walks into a karaoke bar, right? And my life changed forever. And back in the day, my husband was, this was prior to 9-11, and he was going off on a uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit, they call them Muse. So they would be on the ship for six months at a time. And that was way before, you know, internet was really a thing. We still had the, the dial-in plug-in thing that my roommate and I shared. And we would um, have one, an email maybe once during the deployment, but he would, we would have to write letters back and forth. And that's really kind of how we fell in love. And, and fast forward to 1999, we were married. He uh, actually left the Marine Corps. 
and was, you know, a civilian for a while and decided that that just was not right for him. He wanted to have that purpose and go back into the Marine Corps and really, you know, feel like he was doing something really important. So he joined the Marine Corps again prior to 9-11 because, you know, that was that was what he wanted to do. And fast forward, we have our first child. And then three months later, the towers fell. And I remember being so brand new to military spouse life. First of all, I was scared to death. I didn't know, you know, I was scared to death of going to the commissary. Just simple things like that. I I was intimidated by going through the gate of base. And after 9-11, I remember distinctly thinking, wow, everything has changed. And it really kind of did. Uh, The whole military spouse life became so much more intense for everyone. In, In my experience, you know, we had... 19-year-old guys with machine guns guarding our base housing. And that was just such a surreal experience for me. So what was that like to to feel protected by the service members outside? I'm assuming you were living on post. Well, we were living, right, we were living on post, but it was, you know, at Cherry Point, the base housing was off base. So prior to 9-11, we, and we were actually on leave in Alabama when the towers fell. Here I had this three-month-old baby girl, and when we came back to North Carolina, it was just a totally, it was like night and day. So, you know, prior to 9-11, we kind of just drove to our base housing. There was nobody there guarding it, and when we came back, everything was just locked down, and it, it was just a totally different experience, and the feel of it was so much different. I remember... You know, there are a lot of things I don't remember. I don't have a great long-term memory, but I remember that feeling of just everyone being really terrified. This was something that we had no idea how it was going to really affect us. And then, you know, of course, in 2003, when that first push into Iraq happened, my husband was one of the Marines that were, were going. And we were we were just so scared. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. Here, our husbands had been putting on mop gear in our living rooms before they left to go deploy. And we, we drove them and put them on the white buses and said, you know, we're sending them off to war. And that was just something that was not something any of us had dealt with before. And it was terrifying. We really had to rely on each other. And honestly, military spouses, that's when I really first got the got the indication that, hey, this is a this is a huge part of my family right now. And if I'm going to survive this, I have to lean on my other military spouses because we're not going to get through it if we don't. And that was the first the first time I really realized that. What were some of your other experiences? Did you have other deployments or other experiences as a military spouse where you really recognize the family mentality, the village mentality of military spouses and the important role that they play in your life? So, you know, I've said for many years, deployments don't get easier the more you do them. I really actually believe they get harder. And so that first deployment obviously was was terrifying. We didn't know what was happening. You know, we didn't know if there was going to be there would be chemical attacks. If, you know, we we didn't know when they were going to be home. We had no communication with them. It was just such a different time than we have now. And one would think that that means that was the hardest deployment. 
But when I look back at it, it actually was not the second deployment that we had. Our family actually suffered a, a pretty horrible loss. My nephew, who was three and a half at the time when he was diagnosed, um, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And he passed away right before he turned six years old. And he he passed away during that second deployment. And that was, you know, as you can imagine, just a horrible, right, horrible experience. And again, you know, I, my military family stepped up and really um, answered the call for me then. The third deployment was really hard for my daughter, who, when her dad was gone that third time, remember, a couple of, you know, a year and a half before, two years before, during a deployment, she lost her best friend and her cousin. And she was six, seven years old at that time. So that next deployment was a very high stress deployment for her. She had uh, terrible migraines all the time. She just, it was a, the doctors knew it was, it was the stress of the deployment that happened. So every single one of those deployments, every one of those military life experiences to me has been a little bit harder. But again, every single time the military community has stepped forward, we have all supported each other and been there for each other in ways that, you know, I can't imagine. When you think about your own character being developed over time, What did you learn about yourself through the course of these three very different and very difficult deployments? Well, you know, the cliche thing is to say that I learned that I'm strong and I can handle anything. But really, honestly, I learned that there is a lot of power in admitting that you can't do everything, that you need help and that it's okay to ask other people for help. I think that um, is one of those things with military spouses. Sometimes we get kind of caught up in the whole, we have to be strong, and, and our husbands or our, our spouses are doing something that is, you know, incredibly brave, and it's so selfless, and we have to be that all the time. And it's not a realistic way to live, and it can be a very uh, isolating and uh, depressing way to live when you feel like you have to be that all the time. So for me, one of the things that I realized was not only the power of letting other people help you, but really the power, and I know that we have male spouses, but at the time for me, it was all female spouses. That was just who was in my circle. The power of women to really support and empower and propel each other forward and that, that's just something that, that I really gained through all of those experiences. My husband and I like to call them sacred places. You know, he has his sacred places, his experiences, whether it was deployment or in training or somewhere where it's usually an adrenaline-filled moment. You know, it could be combat, it could be trauma, it could be this um, being united with his brotherhood, if you will. But these highly emotional or highly adrenaline-filled moments where you experience this intense moment sometimes with community. And when I look back to those, my own experiences like that, my own sacred places, they were, like you're saying, moments where I had to ask for help. I had to reach out to someone else. I couldn't do it by myself. And it's those moments that actually stand out for me that are the most wonderful moments of our community and kind of a sisterhood, like you said, because there are a lot of military male spouses that I believe are also finding their connections in very strong ways. So I think it's a remarkable statement that you're making that we're not going to have those moments with our community if we don't learn to reach out and ask for help and accept it in those really tough moments. I, I really, truly believe 
the military spouse community, you know, we, we're a family and we have uh, flaws and we have our family issues just like any other community or any other family. But at the end of the day, I really believe the military spouse community, there's such a power there and it's just an untapped resource kind of sorts. And for me, it's hard for me to kind of express how much being a part of that community has has really shaped my life and, and changed me and, you know, really has an effect on the things that I have done and, and continue to do in the future. So let me ask you this question. It may be kind of a difficult question. As a Marine spouse, I'm an Army spouse. And one of the things that I'm loving about this year is being able to reach out to these other branches and really get to know these branches better. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of spouses is that they don't often feel understood by the civilian population. Um, and sometimes between branches there, we can be so kind of huddled up in our own branch that we don't often get to be educated on what it's like in other branches. So if it's possible, how would you describe the Marine lifestyle or, or what it's like to be a spouse of Marine? Well, it's funny that you should ask me that. We, My husband's duty station, he is actually still there. We are living apart for the for this part of the year. But the duty station that we just left, my daughters and I just left, was actually an Army base. When we first moved there, that he's a part of a group of small Marines that are out at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And when we first moved there, it was it was a little different for me. The Army language is a little bit different. They speak different language, <laughs> you know, just the different acronyms. It's it's a little bit different. I tried searching for base housing for the when I when we first moved there, and I thought, well, why, you know, what is going on? Google is not pulling this up. Well, it's, it's not called a base; it's called a post. And I joked with my army friends later that, well, it's 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 called a base if Marines live here. So, <laughs> but you know, I and I had some folks who said to me, oh, you're going to not like it there because the army they just don't like the Marine Corps, and. I just did not find that at all. At the end of the day, we're all still going through the same thing. So there are some differences in the way, you know, maybe we we call the the PX something different or the the seven-day store, they call it something. I still can't remember what it is that they class six or something where you go and buy milk and um, other things. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all still sending someone off to war. We're all still PCSing and moving. You know, I will say when we were at Fort Huachuca, when we would go and visit Marine Corps bases so on vacation, if we were somewhere, I did have that sense of real pride when we kind of were back on a Marine Corps installation and I could see the Marines running in formation and just kind of felt like Marine Corps country again to me. And that was really comforting. But at the end of the day, a military spouse to me is a military spouse. And we're all kind of in the same boat, so to speak. And I didn't really find that much difference. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, sometimes there are the uniforms might look different, but overall, we find more commonalities than we do differences. And that's what I'm really growing to love about the entire military spouse community, especially as I hear from Coast Guard spouses and Navy spouses and Air Force, you know, it's finding those things that we all relate to that this this lifestyle is difficult, but it creates creates a character within us that I I enjoy seeing in other spouses of other branches. And it's something that I think unites us. Before we get into what you're doing now, I would love to hear as you look back, what do you feel was your struggle as a military spouse? What did you feel that you yourself had to learn how to overcome? 
for me, honestly, living in different areas was a struggle for me. Now, I can look back at it now and think, look at all these amazing people that I've met over the years. And I have friends all over the country and all over the world now. And I've, I've made all these connections. But for me, moving has been a real challenge for me over the years. Every single time we we moved. I felt a deep sense of loss, moving to a new area and leaving behind things that we had grown to love for a couple of years that we were in a certain spot. And, you know, even in the military lifestyle, even if you're not the one moving, somebody else is the one moving. And there are, I can, you know, kind of get a little choked up thinking about all of the folks that I just cherish and love so much. And they're now all over the country. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's also not the same as sitting at the table with them and having coffee and watching their children grow up and being away from family, uh, you know, not having access to grandparents and, you know, family members whenever I wanted to was a real struggle for me. And that was one of those things that I really had to really get past. Moving to Fort Huachuca was was probably the hardest one for me. It was the furthest away from family we had ever been, and it was in the desert. And I am a beach person. I, I need the water, and I, I like the humidity, and I need the green, and, you know, being close to, to all that stuff in the South. And moving out to the desert was really a struggle for me. And that was probably one of the biggest hurdles that I had to just get over in my own head was really struggling with being apart from everything that I knew and loved for so long. So what helped you? Well, the people were a big thing. So other military spouses, I always say that, you know, don't assume there's not a silver lining before you really study the clouds. And even in the midst of being in the desert, and there were things that I just loathed about it, I had to force myself to try and find the things that I could really like and really kind of hold on to. And that was the people. There were, you know, little local things that I really, you know, kind of fell in love with while we were there. And But the other part that really helped me was just being honest with the fact that I was not happy about it. Because, you know, I, I, I'm i a positive person. I believe in being positive and finding those silver linings. But at the end of the day, when there's a situation that just is stinky, you you know, it, it doesn't do me any good to, to try and, you know, pretend every single day that things are great when I'm like, okay, you know what, today is another day in the desert. This is not forever. I may not be happy about this. But let's just make the best of it and move on instead of just really trying to uh, pretend that things are okay. And that's kind of really what helped me. I, I wrote a couple of articles about that with military spouse where I talked about, you know, very openly where I, I was really unhappy with my duty station. And when I when I talked about that, we had an overwhelming response with that. People saying, thank you for finally saying this. I'm miserable here. I know it's not forever. I'm trying to make the best of it. But dadgummit, I want to say that I'm miserable for once and just have somebody else understand that. And so that was a big thing that helped me get through that. I find that as well, that a lot of military spouses, almost all of us struggle with admitting the things that are our, our biggest struggles. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is, you know, I would hear behind closed doors, even in counseling sessions, just spouses having the opportunity to just say all of the things that they felt like they couldn't say. And and of course, a, a good reason behind that is that we don't want to feel like we're coming across as complaining or being negative all the time. And 
and we feel that we need to kind of hold it together for our family members. But there is something good that comes out of being honest with how we're feeling as long as we're not getting stuck in that. And so I think that it's remarkable that you had the courage to be vulnerable and say, this is this is really tough. I'm not really happy here. And I've got to figure that out. And I loved the fact that you didn't get stuck there, that there was part of the process of writing those articles, it sounds like, was you being able to be honest with how you felt about it. But then what do we do next to move forward? Right. And writing has always been that for me. So if I can get that out of my head and onto paper or into my computer, that that's a therapy for me. And it's, it's how I can kind of process it. One of the other things that that I realized through this was, you know, our service members, military spouses like to say all the time, well, you know, I have to be strong for my service member and, you know, they're so strong and I have to be strong for them and I don't want to burden them with the fact that something is bothering me. And to some degree, I agree with that. You know, during a deployment, they have bigger fish to fry, so to speak. And I always wanted my husband's first priority to be coming home and making sure that the people he were, he was with were coming home uh, safe and sound as much as he could. And so, you know, being strong for them is important, but there's also something to be said about your spouse also is struggling with things. There are also things that they don't like about this life. And it's hard to be in a relationship where the other person is positive and saying, you know, hey, it's it's going to be okay. We're fine. There's always a silver lining. Look to the bright side of things when maybe inside you're really struggling. And how hard can it be for a spouse to say, well, I don't, you know, my service member, my Marine to say, I don't want to tell her that this is bothering me because she's always being so positive. So there's something to be said about, you know, in, in your marriage and your relationship also being vulnerable and saying, hey, you know what? We're not happy right this minute, but let's get through that together. Let's admit that we're not, you know, happy and that we're having a problem and then and let's move forward together with that. Was your husband a big support or um, a helper for you when you were at the duty station and you were unhappy? Was there anything that he did that really helped support you and help you move forward? <laughs> it's so funny. This is going to sound so strange. But when we found out we had to be there for like a year and a half longer than we anticipated, which was, as you can imagine, not my favorite thing in the world to hear. He came home one day and said, okay. We had been, we had been, um, we had a car that was paid off and I was driving that car, you know, just, it wasn't really my vehicle. He had two vehicles. I didn't really have a vehicle of my own. And, um, I had been talking about, you know, we had another child and now that was very unexpected. And so I had this tiny little one running around and had been talking about some of the struggles kind of with the older car or whatever. And he came home one day and said, okay. So I found this minivan and it's in our price range that was a used, um, you know, one year old vehicle or whatever, had great miles, everything. And and he he honestly was driving around one day thinking, how can I make this easier for my wife? Because I know she is very unhappy with the fact that we have to stay here for another year and a half. And so he bought me a minivan. Now, if you had asked me in the late 90s, hey, you know, what would you want your husband to do to make you happy one day? I can guarantee you as a you know young woman uh, pursuing her singing and, and theater career that I would not have said 
he's going to buy me a minivan. But it was such a, he knew, he knew that that was something that I had, it would make my life easier. And, and it really did. And, and so it was funny that, you know, he, he knows me so well that that was something that he was able to do for me. And it didn't make the desert much easier for me, but it was, it was a good gesture and it did make my life easier at the time. So that helped. Sometimes it's the practical stuff. Sometimes it is, hey, we need a better car that runs easier or, hey, I, I hired somebody to clean the house just for today. Sometimes it's the practical stuff, I think, that makes a huge difference, too. And so I love that example. So I wanted to make sure that we get into some of the really cool things that you have done within the military spouse community um, that no doubt has brought you incredible support. So um, you have gotten involved with, well, actually, which did you do first? Did you get involved with the military spouse's choir first? I actually was the Marine Corps Spouse of the Year 2010. And that was a result of, you know, volunteering that I did with the Lynx program with the Marine Corps, which is the spousal support program, being a Lynx mentor and doing some charity work with uh, cancer charities that, you know, had affected us personally because of, of my my nephew's death. And so I in 2010, I did that. And then I started working for a military spouse magazine on a part time basis, doing some web editing for them and some social media. And then, of course, did the full time gig. Uh, for a couple of years there with them as their digital editor. And sometime in that process, I want to say, well, it was 2012 because my daughter was seven weeks old. She was very unplanned and unexpected blessing. Uh, I have a teenager and a toddler, so there's a, a, a very wide gap there. And when she was a few weeks old, I answered a casting call that said, do you love to sing? Are you a military spouse? Duh, yes and yes. So I called, <laughs> I called um, the casting director at the time and sent in all of my stuff and, and decided to take a chance. And when my child was seven weeks old, I flew to Washington, D.C. to go sing in this group of military spouses that were going to sing at the Kennedy Center for a one-time thing. And it turned out to be just an amazing experience we knew, I knew, you know, we all knew from the first hour of sitting together and rehearsing that this was something that was really incredible. Uh, so we performed at the Kennedy Center in 2012. We kind of didn't do anything for a while after that. There were some things in the works. We um, then were invited to sing on America's Got Talent or auditioned for America's Got Talent, rather. And so season eight of America's Got Talent, we we performed Radio City Music Hall twice. Who gets to do that, right? That was just such an incredible, incredible experience. I have to admit that this morning I was walking on the treadmill and I looked that up and I watched the America's Got Talent of, of the choir singing and I was bawling. I was bawling on the treadmill this morning. I mean, not only was it an incredible song choice, but you can feel, I think, not only the camaraderie that you guys had within the choir, but there was such a feeling of, and you can tell me how you felt, but there was such a feeling of acceptance and warmth from the audience that just really wanted to show their support and really wanted to hear you guys and be part of it and to see the camaraderie that you guys had as a choir and have the opportunity to express through song what your life is like was incredible. Oh, yeah. The the support has been incredible, not only at America's Got Talent, but since then, we've done so many things since then. And, and the support everywhere we go has been incredible. And 
you know, I said before, writing is a therapy for me, but honestly and truly, my biggest therapy is music. And, you know, music is one of those proven commodities in the in the, the realm of therapy. I and mean, we know that it really uh, can help people express themselves and heal from lots of different things. And there, it's no different with this choir. You know, we we rehearse and we get together and we perform and we sing and that's all great. But the friendships and the bonds that we have formed just through the process of rehearsing and learning this music together and performing together, I, I can't even tell you how much those, those mean to me. And they're some of the, the dearest friendships I've ever had with, with these women and, and now man. There's a guy that is in our choir now and it's incredible. It's, you know, for me, being able to marry my two favorite passions, which is music and the military community into one. Wow. That's been incredible. Well, it, it absolutely is incredible. And I came across years ago the fact that I think there was a similar choir in Europe, and I'm not sure who started first, but I remember hoping and wishing that there was one in America as well. And so I think it was you that actually, in the past year, I came across something that you posted on Facebook, that there was one. And I was so thrilled to see what you guys are doing. And I'm really excited about what's going to happen with you guys in the future. So what are some of the other things that you've done in your life to to give you that voice, to help you express what it's been like for you as a military spouse? Well, the writing has been huge. You know, in, in 2008, I started a, a little blog site, manykindercards.com. And, and that was based on when I was in college, I wrote a I wrote a play based on the love story of my grandparents who met in World War Two and they met over, you know, the male. My my grandfather was um, in World War II, and he started writing my grandmother, whose brother he was stationed with. And, you know, long story short, they wrote hundreds and hundreds of letters over the years and fell in love through the mail. He came back to the States. They were married, had a great love story, and they were married for 50 years, and my grandmother passed away. And after he she passed away, um, his Alzheimer's really kind of developed. And at some point in his life, he believed that it was World War II and that she passed away before he ever got to come home and, and, and marry her. And, you know, it's just Alzheimer's is such a tragic thing anyway. So the, the, the play was written. Um, I had some of their letters and some of the music that he actually wrote to her. And the play is is their love story, and it talks about their their relationship through these letters. And then the title of the play is Many Kind Regards. And so when I was thinking about my own military life story and how I wanted to tell that, that's where I started to do that was on the blog site. And so blogging and, and writing really became the way that I could not only express it for myself, but that then I started, thank you, social media, to connect with all these other spouses all over the world. And I really used social media and my writing in conjunction to really not only help me heal, but to reach out to other people and find these connections and, and really just kind of listen to each other and support each other, even if it was three in the morning and we were in our pajamas and whatever that was. So that was one of the big things is just really delving into the social media world that really kind of was a game changer for me. What did you find from these military spouses through writing as a connection? The fact that someone was saying something that, maybe they had been thinking or feeling for a long time. 
but didn't quite know how to express it. And, and I had the ability to express it. That's one of my skills and my talents. So being able to be vulnerable and express myself, I think allowed people to come to me and start saying, hey, you know, you're somebody that I can relate to. And, you know, in those early days when I was writing, I did a lot of just listening to other spouses and, and hearing what they had to say it was eye opening for me, you know, not only just for my own journey and going, oh, well, you know, this might be what I'm going to expect in 10 years. Or I learned a lot about military life just through listening to them. But, you know, there is something very healing about helping other people heal. And there's something that really is powerful in your own life when you are able to, to help someone else do that. So the Many Kind Regards has evolved since just being a blog. It's now something different and it's grown into something even bigger. Sure. So uh, last summer, we I relaunched the blog site that had kind of been inactive for a while. I've been doing a lot of writing at, at Military Spouse Magazine. Uh, I've estimated, you know, a half million words that I probably wrote when I was during my time there. And so my, my personal blog had not been really touched. And so I relaunched it when I left that position last summer. I relaunched it as a writing community. And now, even in the past year since we relaunched it, it has evolved again, and it really focuses on online writing and how that is different. You know, when I was uh, with Military Spouse and, and through the years just working with other writers, I've really come to find out, you know, there's so much different about writing online and how we express ourselves and how we market our content online, all that kind of stuff, different than maybe traditional writing. Um, but I really enjoy and love working with writers who, you know, a lot of folks want to write online and they want to start a blog or they want to be a freelance writer. And especially in our community, when, you know, people want to work from home and have something that travels with them, we find a lot of that. But a lot of folks don't know where to start, um, maybe don't have the skills that they need. And so I have a team of seven uh, folks at Many Counter Guards, all of whom are military spouses. Uh, we do have uh, one of our military spouses, actually a Gold Star spouse now. But we all have that military connection and we all work with these writers to really inspire and empower them to become better writers and to, you know, just be a part of this writing community. And and that's really I, I just love it. I, I adore my job. I love the fact that your story talks about you finding your own voice and finding in the midst of your own struggle, how did you need to express that? And through that, you gave voice to so many other spouses who needed to have a voice as well. And here you are today helping them define their voice and fine tune it and express it in a way that makes them feel, I'm sure, very powerful and very confident and boosts their self-esteem and their ability to write and express and, and have the freedom to talk about it. Well, I hope that it does. I mean, that, that's one of those goals. You know, there are a lot of us are women, so I'm speaking specifically to women. But, you know, over the years, we've all been in instances or circumstances where women have, you know, not been so great to each other. And we've maybe not always empowered each other and lifted each other up. And I just over the past several years have really 
started to say in my own life, that's not acceptable. We're not going to do that. We are going to inspire and empower each other because that's what women do best, right? We, we know how to nurture each other and really lift each other up. And I, I've said for, for years, you know, it's, not, it's never lonely at the top as long as you take great people with you. And that's the entire, it's in the front of my mind with my business every single day, especially with women, is that we're going to empower and lift each other up. And there's no reason to claw each other to the top. We can all get there together. And that's, that's a big motivation for me is really, you know, I've spent so much time in the military spouse world and there have been so many women in that space that I really feel the need to extend that past the military spouse community and really show the power of women and how awesome we can be to each other. If there is um, someone out there that wants to go to Many Kind Regards to learn from you and really allow your content or your services to help them be better writers, how would they go about that? So they would ManyKindRegards.com. You can go on there on our front page. You can see some of the stuff that some of our writers have been writing. So we feature our writers every single week. We also have, and they're writing about a multitude of topics. I mean, anything from special needs children to humor articles to political things. There's there's so much stuff on there for a reader to, to enjoy. But if you also go, there's the right W-R-I-T-E resource is a, is a link on our page. And on there, you'll see articles that our staff members have written about why a writer should have a fan page or how to write for emotional healing, how to, how to write expressively and be able to heal your yourself emotionally. Lots of different ways that online writing is different and how you can navigate that. So there's always fresh material there. And then if you're interested in applying to be a Many Kind Regards writer, our, our Many Kind Regards writers uh, submit something for consideration every single two weeks. And in return, they get all this mentoring and coaching and, and just a really incredible community to be, to be a part of. You can actually go on there. There's an applications tab and you can you can apply to be a writer there. And we're always looking at new applications for that program. It's amazing what you're doing as far as a service to help other women um, and other spouses find their passion and find their purpose. Um, I know that there's some other things that you've been working on and some um, exciting things that are, are coming in the form of coaching. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the coaching that you're wanting to do? So by the time this podcast airs, I will have launched another website that is actually just my own brand. And that is the creativeconceptcoach.com. As as I've worked with spouses over the years and, and different women and men uh, who maybe are small business owners, entrepreneurs, just friends and colleagues of mine who have come to me and said, hey, you have a creative voice. Let me bounce some ideas off you. I've realized that I've been able to help a lot of them take a basic idea. Maybe they have just a basic idea for a, a website or a company or a nonprofit or a project, even a fundraiser or something like that. And I've been able to help them really find a creative concept that's just killer. That's really going to go out there and excite whoever they're wanting their audience or their fan base or whoever their audience is. And so I am going to start offering those services. I actually have five clients that I reached out way out of my comfort zone. It was it, incredibly scary to do so and went to a entrepreneur group that I found online and asked complete strangers to let me coach them for free and people who are completely out of my circle of influence. And that was an important step for me to, to kind of step out of the military spouse world and, and out of those writing community that I have and really branch out to other things. And so the creative concept coach idea was born and those services I will start 
start my coaching actually next week. So I'm very excited about that. And you also have a toddler at home. Is that right? I do. What is it like for you to balance all of this? As a wife, as a mom, as a military spouse, as a woman with a career, what has that been like? It, it It's insanity. Some days I think if someone could come into my house and take just a snapshot of what was happening, they would think, this woman has lost her mind because yesterday, yesterday was a good day for me. And when I say it was a good day, it was a winning day for me because I was able to be the best me all day long. And that rarely happens. And that's okay. Sometimes you have to be the best you for 30 minutes. And then the next 30 minutes are not going to be that. But, you know, yesterday there was a lot of work productivity. The kids were well behaved. Neither of my children had a big attitude. I have a teenager and a toddler and they're both girls. So you can imagine uh, my toddler sat and played with Play-Doh while I answered emails. It was glorious. It was one of those things that, you know, a snapshot of a perfect working from home mother. And yesterday was the best day. Today, I can't promise anything once I get off of this call. And it's always that that balance and that struggle. You know, how much time am I spending with my family? How much time am I spending at work? Balancing my time. And that's that's nothing new for me as a military spouse. That's just kind of been the norm for well, you know, as long as I've been married, right? Um, but it is insanity most days. And I have a whiteboard system that I use that that is kind of crazy. I have about, you know, I think five or six different whiteboards that kind of run our lives. And, you know, you have to find what works for you and not say, well, so-and-so is doing things this way. You can take from folks who are maybe more productive than you who are doing things. But at the end of the day, you really have to evaluate what's going to work for me and my family and and then be okay with the flaws in, in your plan and then and, and that things are going to kind of go crazy from day to day. Well, I am really excited for how much you're doing and the reasons why you're doing them and the impact that you're making on so many people's lives. You and I both agree, I can tell, that we never find a place where we arrive. We never find a place where we find perfection and we know how to do everything. But we do have wisdom to offer because I think no matter what we go through, no matter how difficult of times we go through, we gain wisdom out of those difficult times. And so looking back, what would you say to some military spouses if you could offer a word of encouragement? Allow yourself not to be perfect, honestly. You know, perfection is overrated. I'm over 40 now. And I think that maybe in my 20s and 30s, I strive to, to be perfect in a lot of ways. And I failed at every turn because that's just not realistic. And I was very hard on myself. And as a military spouse, it was the same thing. You know, I wanted to be the perfect military spouse, the perfect uh, mother, the perfect everything. And that caused me a lot of grief and a lot of sadness. And I maybe missed out on some really wonderful life moments because of trying to do those things all of the time. So I would say perfection is overrated. Stop worrying about being perfect. And the other thing that I would say, just really hope for our military spouse community that we start focusing more on the things that we have in common and really ignoring more of the things that we don't have in common. So really focusing on the commonalities and not the differences, because, you know, we are a diverse community of people. And we're a wonderful community of people, but we we have so much more in common, I think, at the end of the day than we ever have. And 
you know, social media or the internet has kind of highlighted some of our differences. And I really hope going forward in the future that we're able to kind of embrace the things that we have in common instead. Is there anything else that you feel like you would like to share? My husband retires soon. And I can look back and say, you know, there were some things that were really tough about this life. But all in all, I wouldn't trade it. You know, it has brought us to where we are now. And we now are in a place where we're only a couple of hours from family. I'm back in the South where, you know, you can buy boiled peanuts and sweet tea is served at every restaurant. And I'm a 30 minute drive from the beach and I'm in my happy place there. But now my life is filled with all of these people that I never would have come in contact with and never would have had the experience of being with if I had not had this life. And so, yes, there have been some challenges. Our family has some challenges this coming year as we, you know, navigate trying to be apart for, for the majority of this year so that our daughter can start high school and finish high school in one spot. And we wouldn't trade anything. And so just, just hang in there. Uh, you know, the benefits of this life do outweigh the negative, And sometimes it's hard to see that. But, you know, if we continue to support each other and empower each other and lift each other up, I think we're going to be we're all going to be okay. Erin, it has been just wonderful to listen to your story, to listen to what you're doing, um, to hear some of the adventures that I it sounds like you've been through. And I've just really enjoyed talking with you. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout-out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout-out to 706-431-7222. And we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.